Welcome to the Truth Exchange podcast, a unique program where we have conversations about worldview all through the lens of oneism and twoism. This lens is based on Romans 125. We have exchanged the truth of God for the lie, worship and serve creation rather than the creator who is blessed forevermore. I'm your host, Joshua Gilo. So we just wrapped up season two with the State of Our Disunion episodes. That was all from the recorded from the symposium that aired in the spring of 2021. Yes. And now we are just kicking off with a whole new season. So this is our first episode. And Mary, for those who may not have listened to the previous episodes, which you can go back online or don't forget to subscribe to our podcast and yes. click five stars. Give us a good review. That way other people yes. can hear about this great content. Um, if they haven't heard your talk, which was yes. excellent, by the way. Thank you. What was it on? And how did, how did you, what, I mean, this was not something that you were typically involved with because you had always been involved on the, the issues of mindfulness meditation and yoga. What was your talk and how did you get to this subject? Yeah. Um, so my talk this time, I switched from being the yoga police to the gender police, I guess. No, it was on gender and the gospel as per usual. I'm pretty sure it was Pam's fault that I ended up doing this talk uh, for this particular conference. And as I was just reading and researching and seeing what was going on with my kids at school and seeing some of the changes that were happening in like kids programming and different things like that, I started to sort of sit up and take notice because there really seemed to be not just references to transgenderism, um, in children's literature and in children's television programming and things like that, but really uh, like an encouragement um, for kids to think about whether they were in the right body and different things like that. So that's really where my interest was caught. And then I'm not sure if you remember this, Joshua, you probably do just because we talked through it, but uh, there was a book that was published last year by Abigail Schreier called Irreversible Damage. It kind of jumped into the headlines because Target banned the book. Target decided that they would not um, sell the book at all in their stores or online because they had labeled this book transphobic. And um, I struggle a little bit with the labels of homophobia and transphobia because I, I think that a lot of times anyone who has any hesitancy, anyone who comes from a biblical standpoint gets uh, labeled with transphobe or homophobe, but certainly, um, you know, I don't think that people who are struggling with these issues or identify these ways um, need to be bullied, um, need to be, have their lives made any more difficult by people being unkind to them and judging them. And so when I heard transphobia, I kind of had this natural sort of reaction against like, well, why would you write a book like that? You know, it was just really kind of a knee-jerk reaction. And then I heard her being interviewed. And this woman, she's, she's not a transphobe. Uh, she's actually a very loving person. I mean, she comes across very clearly as very well-informed. Um, she likes people. She likes kids. And she wants 
people to understand the whole spectrum of truth that's involved in this entire transgender movement. She's not a believer. So she's not coming at this from a biblical perspective like you and I do, but she started talking in this interview about some of the things that were involved in medical transition and some of the things that were being pushed on kids uh, through these movements in schools and through literature uh, and this rapid increase of especially adolescent girls um, starting to identify as transgender in their teens. And when I started so to hear girls, oh, go go, girls to that uh, want to become boys, wanted to identify as boys and then make the medical transition to boys. Uh, and she started to talk about some of the medical things that were being done in the name of this. And um, I'd heard it all before, but I'd never heard it kind of presented this way, uh, this clearly where um, things like puberty blockers, which a lot of people think are, are a pause button were being discussed and they're being administered to students as like a, a watch and wait kind of thing. But really puberty blockers cause bone density issues. They do damage to children. They keep them from going through their proper puberty. They affect emotional development, brain development, all kinds of things. So I got real interested. <laughs> I decided to order Abigail's book and read it. And that was just the beginning of my really digging into all of this, really looking for myself at the world of detransitioners. I'd never even heard of a detransitioner. I kind of thought that once you identified as trans, unless you were a rare, rare case, you would never choose another path. No, no, no. There are thousands and thousands and thousands of people who have transition regret, who call themselves detransitioners. There's much medical damage being done. And there's a lot of confusion being done at younger and younger and younger ages in the name of this activism. So that's where it started. That's where it really started for me. I think as I was reading and researching, it kept popping up, uh, you know, as we were talking too about God as creator and the beauty of his design and creating us in his image, male and female, to see all the theological ways that this is being un undone in our culture. I have kids in charter schools, um, so they're in uh, classically based programs, but they are amongst a, a public school population who suddenly were coming home talking about kids who were identifying as opposite sex at school. Uh, so this is something that students are, they are dealing with, that our children are dealing with within the culture. And it's something that I realized as a parent and most specifically as a believing parent, this is something that we needed to respond to and understand intelligently. Yeah. And now are you seeing this, this type of curriculum being pushed into your school? No. Um, so I have not and, seen and, this. And do you know if, and if not, excuse me, I'm sorry. Sure, and if not, okay. do, do you know, is it, is it being pushed across the nation in other types of schools because you're in a different type of school system? So I'm in a, so we're in a charter school system and charter schools are publicly funded schools, um, but they show up in lots of different iterations. So in our particular school, I think especially because it is a classically based education that our children are in, um, there's not, I'm not seeing a lot of that kind of thing come in through our school. Now there are kids who are at our school who are, especially through social media, being introduced to these ideas as adolescents, but I'm, I have never seen any part of the curriculum that pushes this in our specific school. However, uh, last year, San Diego Unified um, 
was advertised in a news story as having received 2000 books from a group called gender nation. And because this was a local story for us, you know, we're in North San Diego that sort of raised my antennas because it was right as I was finishing all of the research for the last talk that I did. So I looked up gender nation and found that this is one of any number of nonprofit groups that are donating LGBTQ literature, pro-LGBTQ literature into public schools. So the San Diego Unified School District received donation of 2,000 children's books, um, some of which we'll go over today. And I watched a news story, I think it was like on our local News 10 channel, where a district official was welcoming these books in and arranging for distribution of these books into classrooms starting in pre-K all the way through junior high. And that got my attention too, because I thought pre-K, like what on earth would they be teaching kids in pre-K about transgenderism? You know, so I got really curious to see what these, these books contained, I think that's when I piped up in one of our meetings and and said, Hey guys, I'd really like to get these books and take a look at them. And I did, I ordered um, 10 of them and really was amazed and concerned, especially given now my understanding of the medical process of transition um, and the results of affirmative care. Um, I was really concerned to see the way these books are being used to change the thinking and understanding of the very youngest of our kids in a public school setting about sex and gender. Yeah. And we're not just seeing it in children's books, right? I mean, there was something that I had sent to you a few weeks ago, the Muppets, uh, mm-hmm. Jim Henson's Muppets, and there's a there's an updated version of the Muppet Babies, which is even a program back when I was a child. But Gonzo, the bizarre creature, has come out as transgender. They've decided yeah. to, to to give them him that that character arc that he's a transgender character. Yeah, and, and we see it also in in Hollywood. I'm just going to list off a couple names here: Laverne Cox, Jazz Jennings, Chaz Bono, Fallon Fox. Yeah. Caitlyn Jenner, of course. Of course. Yeah. You know, and and life is hard for an average person. But then when when you hear some of these stories of these celebrities, there's a lot of emphasis of it's really hard to be transgender, which for for the Christian, they would say, well, that's because you're going against natural norms. Right. Or you're going as what we would say, you're rejecting twoism and you're embracing oneism you're rejecting creation creator distinctions that we have in place so there's three books that you uh chose just for this episode we're going to go over more in in a future episode yeah and 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 we're going to get the pictures up here now of those those books the first book that we're going to go over is i am jazz yes followed by I feel, or excuse me, it feels good to be yourself. And yeah. then last, we'll go over neither. Neither. Now, now, before we go through those, I think it's important that we kind of, we define some terms because there's a lot of terms that are thrown out and, and maybe some of our listeners know these terms, but then we may have an audience that doesn't, doesn't know or doesn't see the distinction as being a big deal. Yeah. And one of those terms, I think from the beginning, we need to, to talk about, which is well, let's start actually let's start with scripture. In the beginning, God created them male and female. Mm-hmm. There has been a shift now in 
in culture and we see it when you when you sign up for a job application to you are filling out medical records there's a shift of from the term sex biological sex to gender mm-hmm. how would you define sex and how are we defining gender wow you nailed me with a hard one right <laughs> really i mean sex and gender prior to john money really went hand in hand, you know, so you're born as a sexed being, you are male or female. There are very rare instances of intersex people. So where something chromosomal has happened, but otherwise you're male and female. And so that is your sex. That is also your gender. And so you're, there wasn't a distinction of gender identity apart from what your sex was really especially within the common vernacular. And so you and I had this conversation a while ago where I really, I don't like the separation of the two because I I feel like it's an arbitrary separation. So my sex is, I am female. And so the gender roles that I portray tend to be typically more feminine. Uh, You being male, that is your sex. The gender roles that you portray tend to be more male. And it's, it's interesting because as we've kind of culturally separated the two, so your sex being your body and your gender identity being what you portray to the world or how you feel about yourself, it's almost like it's made more firm the gender roles that I thought we were supposed to be obliterating, you know? And so if you're a boy and you like pink, probably there's some gender identity issue in there because because pink is a really girly color, but it's not, <laughs> you know, like it, it doesn't have to be that way, but we start getting these very rigid gender distinctions that seem to be made. So um, I hope that helps, but mm-hmm. it's very, you know, sex and gender are highly related in my mind and to try to parse the two out, you know, we hear about social constructs all the time. That one I really do think is is more of a social separation and it's based on a bad typically within that movement you you hear from when i say that movement i'm referring to the transgender movement they are saying that sex is what you see and typically what you are born with gender is what you feel and what you know so and and we'll talk about this with jazz's book Mm -hmm. jazz he said i have a boy's body but i feel and i know i'm a girl right so Uh, Which makes you ask, so then what is your definition of a girl, right? So there's some understanding of what a girl is that Jazz thought he was not based on his boy that made him a girl in his mind. And yet now he has to change his body to match the, you know, so immediately you, you run into these kind of these ambiguities. I think it's also important to to briefly mention, and a lot of folks will say, well, that it's cultural expectations. So, mm-hmm. and I, and I had read one article where the, the trans community was saying, well, you know, it wasn't until the 1940s when a lot of what is assumed culturally that boys should play with and what girls should play with, that was brought on to us by capitalism. That was brought on to us by the toy companies and right. it's all about marketing and there may be some truth to that. I mean, how do you, sure. you assign what's going to be? So this is what the boys are going to be interested in. This is what the girls are going to be interested. But yeah. typically when you put a boy in a, in a room and there's Barbies on one side 
and there's 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 a gun on the other side what do you think that boy is going to go for yeah yeah most times that boy is going to go for for that 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 gun yeah but even within cultural aspects in scripture when the israelites came out of egypt what does the lord say don't wear men you don't wear women's clothing and women don't wear men's clothing Mm -hmm. so so even then there's some there's something that is outside this transcendent there's assumptions that there are things that are that are for men and there are things for women and right right and we in all things we need to let scripture govern us and how we what we do and say and and think so let's move on here's uh cisgender Cisgender, you and I are cisgender. So we identify as the sex and gender with which we were born. Mm -hmm. So binary versus (laughs) non-binary. Binary versus non-binary. So binary would be there is male or female. Mm Non-binary would be someone who falls somewhere within that spectrum. So someone who's non-binary would also be, it's similar to like agendered. I've, I've heard it described different ways. And Joshua, I have to say too, like, I don't consider myself an expert in these at all. No, it's fine. It's good that we're having this conversation. It's just kind of a, I just want to make sure when, when some of these, these, these terms are thrown about, um, I just want, when we talk about them, we're just going to, we're laying this out for it. Um, And I think you're absolutely, that's exactly right with the non-berry, non-berry, berry, berry kicks. (laughs) non-binary is that it's one day I feel like a girl and sometimes I feel like a boy so it's I'm yeah there's a gender gender queer uh gender fluid um yeah there are lots of them and it's hard to really tell the real I mean trying to nail something down within this is a little is a little difficult you know there is a lack of distinction and this Mm -hmm. is something that I think coming from the truth exchange perspective which is a biblical uh perspective, uh, there's a lack of distinction. So there's this desire to have people acknowledge and allow you to kind of fluctuate with no distinction on any point of any spectrum at any given time that you're dealing with. So it it is hard to nail some of these terms down. Mm -hmm. And that's why the, the hermeneutic is, is, I guess you could say it's quite powerful because it, it really says there is only two ways to view these things right and what informs you right and and if you are saying things like well i'm going to go by what i feel and know and not by what is uh uh, concrete that i you know there's a problem here yeah last last one is gender dysphoria gender dysphoria so gender dysphoria is a newer term Um, and I'm, I apologize because there was an older term that was very similar, um, that used to be used, but gender dysphoria is someone whose sense of their gender does not match their, the sex of their body. Mm -hmm. So if you have gender dysphoria, if you're feeling gender dysphoric, then your sense of self, um, doesn't match kind of the container, I guess. Yeah. 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 Okay. Let's jump into it. The first book, it feels good to be yourself. Yeah. So it feels good to be yourself. We have a picture uh, up on the screen right now. Yeah. For that. For and those... I'm going to hold up my copy with all my little notes. 
Um, so this is, it feels good to be yourself. And, um, this book is a book about gender identity. And I would say probably, I mean, if I'm thinking about my kids, the youngest of whom is 11 now, um, this is probably like a second grade level book. Um, and it feels good to be yourself is actually going to help us with some of those terms that you and I were talking about, but it's an introduction to kids. Um, it's, it's really colorful, um, really well done. And yes, Joshua, you know, thank you so much for taking the time to edit this video, but this book is about a group of different kids. So one is Ruthie and Ruthie is a transgender girl. And you explain, they explain that that means that when she was born, everyone thought she was a boy and I'm using the terminology and the pronouns of the book, but it turns out she wasn't a boy. Uh, and it took everyone a while to figure that out, but on the inside, she was a girl and girl is Ruthie's gender identity. So she's referred to as a, she, even though we learned that she has a boy's body. Um, and then there's Xavier who, uh, was born a girl. Um, but finally people figured out that Xavier actually feels like a boy. And so his gender identity is that he is, um, he's a boy. Mm -hmm. uh, they have a friend named Alex. Um, Alex is both a boy and a girl. And, um, so that means that, um, Alex is both a boy and a girl as their gender identity. And then there's another one who is neither. So <laughs> you can be both a boy or, and a girl, or you can be neither a boy or a girl. And these are different different identities on that spectrum. Um, so it just, it goes through non-binary and all of these different things, but this is where the book really caught me. It tells children that there are all kinds of possible ways to be yourself. It's already insinuating to children that being yourself is not defined at all by your physical body. So we're physical embodied beings, but according to this book, one has no bearing on the other. And it explains that um, your, your gender identity might match what people thought about you when you were born, or it might not. And this is where I really, I mean, I'm already struggling, right? But this is where um, for little kids who part of their development is to learn to categorize things, to distinguish between true and not true, real and not real, trustworthy and not trustworthy, um, black and white, you know, they put things into categories and into boxes so that they can figure out the world. But this book starts to tear that down at a very early age. And it's not the earliest age. Uh, there's another one that does this also for even younger kids, but see, when you were born, you couldn't tell people who you were or how you felt. Right. So the people who have this little baby are looking and they're doing their best to try and figure things out. But the baby's body is is only one indicator of who of what that baby is. They looked at you and they made a guess. It doesn't even allow for an informed guess, you know, based on that baby's biology, it's based evil. on that. Yeah. Based on that baby's um, body, maybe they got it right and maybe they got it wrong. What a baby's body looks like when they're born can be a clue to what the baby's gender will be, but not always. So 
this, um, this is one of the books that is, is on the bookshelves in San Diego Unified. Um, Solana Beach is another district down here. Los Angeles Unified um, is the second largest school district, I think, in the nation. Certainly, I think it's the largest in the state. So I think it's the second largest school district in the nation. And um, Gender Nation, the group that's putting these books out for free to these schools, donated 446 of the 460 schools in the LA Unified School District. So these are on the shelves. Teachers have them available for free to read into the classrooms. And um, the other thing that happens in here is that the authority of a parent to know their child and to help their child understand reality and to learn about the world around them and the body that they live in that God created for them starts to be torn down too. So going back to one of these little kids, Ruthie, uh, Ruthie has been living as a boy until Ruthie was five. And then Ruthie finally was able to get Ruthie's parents to understand that she knows that everyone mistakenly thinks that she's a boy, but she's actually a girl named Ruthie. And so the parents aren't even trustworthy. Uh, Ruthie is the ultimate authority based on emotion and feeling. Uh, Ruthie's body can't be trusted as an indicator to tell Ruthie anything about who Ruthie is. It's all based on the inside and it must be accepted as truth. Mm. Um, so that is uh, an overview of it feels good to be yourself. You know, I, I read that book this morning and what struck me, actually, I read all the three of the books this morning, and but what struck mm -hmm. me about all three of them is that it's not just teaching children something. It's actually trying, it's also talking to mom and dad. Totally. Or the teachers, yeah. which I can't, as I was reading them, I thought, boy, this would be so awkward because everything I knew growing up that there's only two sexes right? There's two, mm -hmm. there's only two gender roles here. Mm -hmm. This goes completely contrary to everything that I know. Yeah. So it, and, 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 and I'm actually the bad guy. You know, I have to, I have to come along and be like, oh, I should have known better when I was signing those papers, when you came out of your mommy. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and <sighs> The thing that bothers me here, and I, I'll get into some more of the specifics about it with the I Am Jazz book, um, because that book makes me really sad. I feel very sad for Jazz Jennings, but is that each of these children is presented, and I guess, you know, these are all prepubescent children, so they're presented in this way of like, finally, everyone knew who I was on the inside, and now everything is okay. Mm -hmm. But what that denies is that that biology that caused either a penis or a vagina to form, if everything was going as it should, according to that child's genetics, while they were in the womb before they emerged into the world, those same uh, chromosomes are going to cause that child to go into puberty unless that puberty is stopped, right, um, with puberty blockers. Uh, that same biology is going to affect every aspect of this child's life for the rest of their life, because we're not beings who exist apart from our bodies. We are both body and soul. Um, God didn't knit us together as souls and then stick us in a random body. All of it together is who he made us to be. And our bodies are going to fight 
to grow into those people our whole lives long. So these kids, you know, it's presented beautifully. And as this happily ever after, because finally I was able to tell someone who I really was, that it's going to require chemical interventions, um, puberty blockers, testosterone or administration of, of estrogen. It's going to require surgeries, um, all sorts of medical violence, uh, that these kids are never made aware of. It's, it's an, an unfair, uninformed, I think kindly intended on a lot of levels. Um, I think the people who are presenting these things, many of them really think that they're doing good, but by misinforming children, they're setting them up for harrowing physical, mental, and emotional trauma their whole lives long if they buy into this. Um, the truth is true, whether we believe it or not. And so the truth is of the truths of their physical bodies are going to be acting upon them um, their whole lives long. So this book does not resolve problems for children. It creates problems for mm, them. That's important. Okay, yeah. let's go on, on to the next one. I am Jazz. This okay. is by Jazz Jennings, who's a who's a boy who who is identifies as a girl. Yeah. So jazz. Like I said, Jazz makes me sad. Um, I've spent a lot of time, and I know that you watched an interview um, this morning before we did this recording, Joshua, um, about Jazz. The I Am Jazz is a book written by Jazz Jennings, who um, I want to say his, his, I can't, I can't remember the name that he was, he was given originally, but um, Jazz started identifying as a girl at a very, very young age. And um, in this book, Jazz explains that his favorite color had always been pink, um, that he loved mermaids when he was a little kid. He also liked doing all kinds of athletic things and had friends that were girls. Um, but he felt very bad because he's not exactly like these other girlfriends. And I think just as a parent, not even dealing with gender issues, none of our kids are exactly like each other. The, the uniqueness of this child, um, this child not being exactly like these other friends is that's okay. <laughs> we don't have to be exactly like our friends to get along with our friends, to be loved by our friends. So it sort of just sets this this bar up that's a little troubling right at the beginning, but Jazz goes on to, to continue to explain that he had a girl brain in a boy body and that this is called transgender. And my immediate question is, in Jazz's mind at that age, what's a girl brain? What, what's this idea of what a girl brain is? Is it because he liked pink? I mean, it, it just seems as a parent that you would want to tell your child, well, that's okay. You can like the color pink. You know, I, I think of myself, I really, really liked my little ponies at the age of six and seven, but I also really, really liked GI Joes. And sometimes my, my little ponies were cavalry horses for my brother's GI Joes and for my, my He-Man characters. And I don't want to blip out of you about the fact that I thought that He-Man was cool, but I did. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know, I also, you know, I liked 
boy type things, but that didn't mean that I had a, a boy brain trapped inside of a girl body, even in the periods where just about everything that I wanted to do was stuff that boys did. Um, so already this is being presented as a possibility that you could have a boy brain trapped in a girl's body or a girl brain trapped in a boy body. And that's actually scientifically just not possible. We're, we're now putting gender labels on things that don't necessarily need those labels. We're making that box, that category really, really strong. And so it's this weird either, or it doesn't have to be that way, but it's presented that way to these children that jazz indeed did have a girl brain trapped in a boy body. Jazz would, he would correct his parents when they would refer to him as a boy his parents were confused because they'd always thought of him as a boy, you know, so it was very confusing to them. Um, and the brother and sister, you know, just thought that jazz was funny, but eventually, you know, they start to come into the realization that, that he was just pretending he was a boy. He wasn't actually a boy. He, he really was a girl. And so again, so what's a, what's a boy? You know, if it, if it's set apart from jazz's biology, if it's set apart from jazz's physical boy body, what is a boy? Is it someone who, who likes jeans and T-Rexes and likes to shoot guns? Is that what defines a boy? You know, already you get into these weird category changes. If you take it away from biology, it's hard to define what an actual boy is, but this really, uh, this lack of distinction um, and this misunderstanding really um, affects Jazz's life in that finally a gender doctor explains to Jazz's parents that Jazz is actually transgender. And that's the big aha moment, according to the book, for Jazz's parents who then let Jazz start wearing dresses, let Jazz start growing out Jazz's hair. Um, and what's interesting to me is that there are these conversations that Jazz depicts having with Jazz's parents where um, Jazz's mom says that um, allowing Jazz now to be a boy who's dressing as a girl is going to make Jazz different from the other kids at school, which that was a problem earlier in the book, but that's okay. Jazz needs just to be happy with who Jazz is. But who jazz is, is that completely separate from jazz's body? Is his, is his body nothing to do with who he is? This is the same question that we, we find ourselves asking in that previous book. It's good to be yourself. And I'm not just nitpicking for the sake of nitpicking. This is really important because what we find out is that eventually jazz goes on to puberty blockers. This is not um, listed in the, in the book. In the book, it's presented the same way that uh, it feels good to be yourself is where uh, Jazz is kept from playing on a girl's soccer team and Jazz is upset because Jazz really is a girl. And so finally they let Jazz onto the girl's soccer team. Now this is all pre-puberty, right? So there are co-ed soccer teams, mm -hmm. um, but Jazz wants to be on the girl's soccer team. And, and so, you know, he's very forlorn and sad until he's allowed to go and and have his teachers change their minds and let him do all these girl things. Right. Where um, have grow long hair, grow wear long dresses. Hair. Yeah. And and Jazz talks about how hard it is to get teased. And and again, I get that kids shouldn't be bullied, but we're we're also expecting kids 
who again are going through this phase of they take in and and see the world around them and they're trying to understand what's true and not true what's real and not real and so they have a reaction against this child who seems to have gotten these categories wrong right and and teasing is wrong being unkind is wrong but these kids are supposed to alter their understanding of truth and reality in order to make jazz comfortable with jazz's belief that jazz is a girl trapped in a boy body. And so jazz is affirmed in this. I mean, this book is about how teachers and parents and doctors and other people have all needed to accommodate this truth claim of jazz is that jazz is a girl trapped in a boy body. But again, here comes the biology part of it, right? Puberty's coming. And so jazz is started on puberty blockers and, and jazz's body doesn't go through puberty. So a boy, you know, begins to get these rushes of testosterone, their bodies begin to develop, they get muscular, their bone density changes. Um, they, uh, you know, they have all of these body changes that happen and that got stopped for jazz. At some point, jazz couldn't just be a person who stayed on puberty blockers. They that he had to choose whether he was going to pursue now medical transition and go on estrogen and start having surgeries or get off those blockers so that he could grow into, you know, an adult size human being so that his brain could, you know, continue developing and the choice that this family made. Um, and it's not described in this book. So again, it ends with jazz, just being happy, being who he is, uh, living as a girl, but the truth of the story is that jazz then went into transition surgeries and because jazz had been, he had been on puberty blockers for so long, uh, the surgeries were horribly botched. He didn't Ugh. have enough skin to have that gender transition surgery work because the puberty blockers cause atrophy of reproductive organs. And I'm, I'm kind of trying to dance around being too graphic here for the sake of our listeners. But, um, so when jazz got that first surgery done, he was horribly damaged and mm -hmm. the surgery was not a success. And with, within days, he was back in the hospital. He's now been through three surgeries. Apparently the last one, sex reassignment surgeries, apparently the last one was successful, but it took two and a half years. And it starts to come out too, that jazz had eating disorders so he had to lose 30 pounds before he could have that first surgery. Eating disorders um, are a huge commonality amongst people who have uh, mental health issues. And they are one of the things that come up a lot as comorbidities for people who do deal with gender dysphoria. It's a, it's a grave discomfort within your physical body. And he's come out recently on Instagram talking about how he had gained over hundred pounds in two years. And he acknowledges that he has this eating disorder that now he's going to have to deal with. And all of this is taking place on reality TV. You see in real time, the picture of someone who, who's not a happy storybook character. He's a, he's a now an adult who is living in a body that has been forever medically altered. He, there's no going back from that, um, for, for jazz. And yet he's being presented to little children in our public schools and probably in some private schools too, but in our public schools as the happily ever after that they can have too, right. if they believe that they're in the wrong body. 
incredibly malicious side of these books i mean is that it does it presents it as the hero's journey and the hero is as finally won and the battle is over and the victory is theirs and they live but, happily ever after but the story doesn't in there as you're pointing mm-hmm. out which is just after. so grievous yeah yeah oh. all yeah. right last book neither so, last book neither is in some ways the simplest of these books because it's aimed at the youngest age category And in some ways, it's the most nefarious. And what struck me as I was reading all of these books, and I'd actually like to know, Joshua, if you felt this too, is that when you see these little creatures or these little people who are presented with sorrow and presented as little creatures who are being hurt by other people who don't understand, like that, it hurts my heart. It's, we live in a sinful world and we do cruel things to each other. And so, there's this, this vulnerability that I feel in describing these books where I, I don't want to come across as unkind and uncaring. <laughs> and I, I found myself thinking about that, especially in this book, neither, because it's a sad story in some ways. And I think if you were reading it, not within the context of understanding that this is pushing children towards thinking about sex and gender, um, it could be a really beautiful book. Yeah, it almost um, it parallels the ugly duckling. It does. It does parallel the ugly duckling. Yeah. But there are so many places where as a parent, when I'm when I was reading this book, where you would want to intervene with the child who's identifying with this and saying, Oh, but here's the truth. <laughs> you know, here's how we handle that. You know, and and to help with some of those distinctions and categories that this book works to strip away. So neither, um, I'm gonna hold this up just so that you're seeing what I'm looking at. Um, and I'm hoping that some people are actually watching this so that they can see this, the, um, the pages on the screen, but neither is about a little creature who's born into the land of this and that, or this, yeah, this and that. So the land of this and that is a place where there are only two kinds. And in this book, um, the two kinds are birds and bunnies. And all the bunnies are blue and all the birds are yellow. And in this land, everything's pretty much blue and yellow. And there are these and those, this and that, and there is nothing else. And everyone's pretty happy with that until one day an egg hatches and out of this egg comes a little creature who is neither. This creature is green. So a blend of yellow and blue, because we know our primary colors. And um, the little creature has bunny ears and a bunny tail and a bird body and a beak. And all of the little creatures in this land are shocked and horrified um, because they want to know what kind are you? Yeah, as neither goes honk. Yeah, honk. It's really cute. (laughs) If it weren't so upsetting, it would be really, really cute. But uh, neither says honk. And the, the little creatures who are either this or that want to know what this creature is. And the creature says, I'm both. And they inform this creature, you can't be both. You must be neither. So immediately as we're talking again about little boys who like things that we tend to think of as feminine or little girls who are tomboys, uh, there's no allowance for that in the land of this or that. So it's a world that's, it's set up as a binary, but it's, it's binary in a way that we who exist in male and female bodies don't have to deal with. And frankly, 
I don't think little kids are generally forced into in our culture. There are people who would vociferously disagree with me on that, but right. anyway, the, 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 I think the, the, the irony or the contradiction of the story, neither is that neither is a byproduct of this and that. I mean, on the out, right. it's not, it's not just the hybrid what's on the outside. It's also, because remember this, we started this conversation saying that gender is what you feel and know, which that's supposed to trump what people see on the outside, which is your mm-hmm. sex, your body. What yeah. you, and then of course they add that term, what you've been assigned. Right. Right. It was placed on you. It was placed on you. So yeah. that, that's the kind of the, the contradiction of this whole thing. But anyways, continue well, on. And that's, yeah, that's a really great point because neither. Yeah. The, the difference is physically manifested, right? So you're, you're right. So the difference is physically manifested. Um, and, and again, there's the small percentage of people who have anomalous bodies and, and gen, Right, right. Makeup, right, right. But that's not what this is dealing with. And no, so- this this is ontologic ontologically saying that there's there's a third type of being, which is what the transgenders are saying, or or well, I should say, innumerable most- types of beings, right? right? Like, you, right. you can't, there are all kinds of different mixtures. And then there are those who are just one or the other, which this is what it get with this and bringing the hermeneutic into it. I mean, this is a rejection of what God has said. I yes. mean, this is the lie of the servant. Has God really said? Yes. And yes, God has said male and female, said. right? Yeah. So, so, um, so neither goes and he, neither wants to play. I've decided that neither is a, he, I keep referring to him as he, but anyway, neither tries to play hopscotch, but he's not rabbity enough. He tries to play back, not backgammon. That's a board game. Anyway, another game. And he's, it's the the game that involves the birdie, but anyway, with the birdies, but he's not birdie enough. Uh, and so he's just, he's just being rejected left and right. And this is the, the mother's part of me. And the person who also was a child on a playground at one point, like, we have all felt that rejection. We have all been made to feel at certain points that we are not enough, um, that we're not, we're just not quite right. Um, and, and we've experienced that. And so it, it hurts your heart, right? Yeah. But um, telling a child then, no, yes, you are utterly unique and you really aren't like any of these things. There's no crown for commonality whatsoever. And therefore you must be something totally different you know, they, it, this book really does break those distinctions down. So neither gets completely rejected from this land and goes flying off with sad bunny ears and bunny tail. And they're all, you know, mocking him as he flies away. And he ends up finding a place that's called the land of, of all it's the land of somewhere else. And and in this land, there are talking trees. There are kitties with butterfly wings. Uh, there are so many different kinds. This is what neither says. And it's the land of all. And it's a beautiful place. Now, suddenly, you know, you have the whole, all the rainbow colors. Um, and everyone loves each other. And everyone's kind. I mean, it's sort of, it's heavenly in its way. And the little creatures, they come and play with us, but neither says, but I'm different from everyone here. I'm neither red nor orange, nor yellow, nor blue. And they say exactly. And they embrace neither. And then you find that the birdie and the bunny from the land of this or that, 
some of them felt outcast too. And so they come and they're kind of spying on this wonderful play party. And they say, excuse us, we're from the land of this and that, but we don't fit in at home either. Um, and we're looking for somewhere else. And at first, neither is mad because they were mean to neither. But then neither says, well, you, you can come in too, because this is the land of all. The all thing is, one. is yeah, all is one. Yeah, exactly. But the thing is, this is sad comfort for a child, I think, because there's not a land of all. <laughs> we live in a land of male and female. That's the way God set it up. And it's beautiful. And if you, if you convince a child that their body has lied to them, that they are the strange kind of hybrid, that something must be changed or that they must be, you know, it, it, it breaks down all of those categories. It, it tells a child that they have to escape this world of the, this and that, you know, the male and female and how those distinctions go completely away to find acceptance. And that's not true. We're supposed to be training our kids up in this world. We're supposed to be training our kids up to be the men and women that God has created us to be and given each of us a purpose and a name. And this book, I mean, it's, it's one of the books that you would read to a three-year-old or a four-year-old, um, very light on words, but very strong in ideas. Um, and it starts the story over again. Once upon a time, there were many kinds, uh, and it, this and that somewhat and whatnot, either very sort of just rather a little, neither and both. Mm -hmm. And they're all happy. It's the yin and the yang. Yeah. Wow. And, um, so, yeah. And then in every single one of these books, I think it's really important to understand too, that there are notes from the authors with additional resources that are suggested where you can go, um, and you know, you can, you can find out how to affirm your children, how to encourage them to think in these ways. There's the trans kids, purple rainbow foundation. Um, it's the, it's, you know, a, it's the longer and shorter version of the catechism is what it is. It's catechizing adults at the end and catechizing children at the beginning. It's evil. It's, it's a just, great way to put it, Joshua. It's, it's a great way to put it. And, and again, you know, people will say, you know, why are you being so judgmental? Why are you being so harsh about this? And it's because they're telling kids things that are not true. And if kids believe things that are not true and pursue them in a land where things are real and there's truth and not truth, they, they will be done damage. They will be harmed by this. I read all of this within the context too, of knowing then that there are schools that are being trained up and entire school systems that are being trained up then that if a kid comes across a book like this and starts to think, well, maybe I'm neither too, there are teachers and there are aides and there are school nurses who will say, you're right, you may not be either. And what name would you like to be called? And what gender would you like to be identified as? And here are two sets of paperwork so that when we speak to your parents, they won't know anything's going on, but you can trust us to acknowledge who you really are. So it, it, it's not just pretty picture books. It is, um, it's indoctrination with, and it's just a first step into this whole structure of leading kids down this path of um, 
believing that their biology has nothing to do with who they actually are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and I, I talked about this in my lecture. I, I haven't gone recently, but within just the last month or two, uh, I had looked again at the numbers. There is a group on the website Reddit. It's a subreddit um, for detransitioners. And I think it's close to, if not over 20,000 members now. So, um, and, and that's the product of this. So you've got Jazz Jennings with an eating disorder and horrendous scars on his body who clearly is not well, but being propped up as a role model and a celebrity, you've got women on Twitter who very openly and bravely and under circumstances where they get thrown a lot of hate, you know, talk about I had my breasts removed while I was believing this way. Now I realize I really am genetically a woman. I was dealing with all of these other mental health issues, but my breasts are gone and the people who paid to have them removed won't pay to have them reconstructed. They, they just get ditched. They get deserted when they don't fit this narrative anymore. So it ends up being a very grisly, violent, and indeed evil path that to, to, we're setting kids on. To bring in another storybook, and that reminds me of the old Dr. Seuss, the Sneetches. Yeah. yeah. The, these yellow birds, some with the green star and some without. And they, this, it's a blue star, Joshua. This swindler, <laughs> this swindler comes in and they're able to, to get these, these stars attached or, or detached. And then when they've all run yes. out of money, the guy runs out of town and they have to realize we just have to make do with it. The story ends mm-hmm. on, a, on a better note, but it's very sad for these folks who are now coming out to, to uh, what's the word, dis, um, distransition? Detransition. De- detransition. I'll get it. And, but some of it, it, it ends in suicide. Yeah, the highest rate, um, and I can go back and get some notes on this, but the highest rate of, of suicidal ideation uh, statistically is seven to 10 years after medical transition. It, it doesn't alleviate suicidal ideation. It doesn't alleviate dysphoria. And the Sneech thing too, Joshua, you bring up another really good point. Um, I follow Scott Nugent, who is a female who identifies as a man. And Scott is very clear of, about this fact that she does understand that she is biologically female, that none of the transition that she did changed her into an actual man. Um, but, uh, she has talked a lot and has backed up the fact that for the medical industry, these kids are cash cows. You get a kid on puberty blockers and through all of that transition and all of that medical quote unquote care that they go through, they're worth like 1.9, I want to say $1.9 million a piece to the practitioners who are doing this stuff you know, and a lot of it is taxpayer funded too. So, um, you, you bet there's money involved in this. God have mercy. It's evil. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's distressing. It's, it's distressing. And, um, I'm praying that God would protect my heart and protect my children as we interact with some of the kids who've, who've, been affected by these things. Um, they're all image bearers and the enemy loves to mar that image. He 
who loves to mar that image. My goodness, who of us in our own ways have not been marred by sin and lies that we've chosen to believe that we've been led to believe. Um, it's just so it's just, it's so ugly and it needs the gospel It needs gospel truth. It really needs what, you know, we talk about with Peter all the time, which is a God of loving distinctions, a God who created us out of artistry and an overflow of, of joy and, uh, completeness and who he was, he created us male and female. Um, and, and the enemy is using these things to destroy it. And in, in a certain way, the, the love of these moms who founded gender nation, who weep at the pain of their children, uh, the creativity of the artists, the God given creativity of the artists who are creating these books to lead these children astray. Like it, it adds insult to the injury that's being done, you know? Um, and I, I want to thank you for, as my coworker, letting me pursue all of this and, and talk about it because, um, it kind of paints a bit of a target on, on us. Um, but I think it's really, really important. What do you think the next steps are for parents that have their kids in a school system like this? You know, I, I <laughs> and, and I say, I chuckle at that because it just, it reminds me of when you first came into the office, oh goodness, maybe six, seven years ago, eight years ago. And you had this, it looked like this sick burden that you were carrying. And it was about this yoga being in the school system with your son. And, um, yeah, you know, is, I know there's the resource of Alliance Defending Freedom. The folks at ADF are a resource out there. I'm not aware of, of any current cases, but you know, what is there organizations out there that are kind of like a beacon of, of hope light in this darkness to reach out to? Um, you know, that's a, that's a very good question, Joshua. And I know, so for instance, now this is not a Christian organization explicitly, but, uh, this is an issue that's hitting people in and outside of the church. I mean, this is raising alarms all over the place. And so there is a group called informed parents of California. Um, and you know, California loves to lead the way on stuff like this, right? And so Informed Parents of California is, is simply a group where people um, share documentation of things like the gender bread man and the, I think it's a gender unicorn now, or there might, I actually think that there's a gender elephant that I just, I didn't have the brain capacity to look up, but when um, whistleblower teachers release these documents or when parents go in and read the state released curriculum and actually find instances of this being used and proposed and approved um, in public school systems. They put that out there. And I would say uh, find groups like that uh, in your state, find like parent, like-minded parents in your church. And then there are a couple of things that people can do. One is pray. And I'm serious. And I'm convicted by saying that, right? Who of us ever really spends enough time in prayer over our children, the children of our schools, the teachers in our schools, um, we need to be praying. Next, 
parents who are in situations where they can't see a way to get their kids out of these public schools, um, I understand that. I felt trapped in public schools for a long time. You have school board meetings. You have places that you can go and let your voice be heard. And I think when it comes to gender transition and gender ideology, there are parents, like I said, believing and non-believing who are upset by this. They see the damage that's being done. They see that it's propagandistic. They see that it's dangerous for their children. That's an opportunity for you to make connections, to put feelers out and find people who will pray with you. There are groups like Mothers in Prayer that you can get together. You can pray over your kids together. And then that helps you form a network of people that you can talk to about these things as you're informing yourself. Go talk to the school board, you know, inform yourself, make sure that you're not just going based on things that you're hearing, go find it for yourself. Look at the books in your children's classrooms. And then I would suggest, you know, I, I feel sometimes when I hear people saying, I, you know, you and Lael have done such a beautiful job homeschooling your, your kids. You guys have worked so hard to make that possible, but for parents who, who don't feel equipped to do it on their own, I would say, look for charter options, look for homeschool systems that you're not building the curriculum yourself. You're not going and figuring out how to do it. Yeah. Find co-ops, find charter schools, look up uh, what the charter support is in your state. There are other options if you can't afford private school and if you can't figure out how to do homeschool for yourself. So I, I don't like ivory tower, but my goodness, um, I don't like that ivory tower mentality. Like we are, we are called to be lights in this world, but I'm, I'm not necessarily convinced that you send your children out on the front line of the battle into these indoctrination centers. And I I don't know. I mean, every person has to, to make that decision for themselves, but look for those other resources. You're not, you're not necessarily trapped. There are a lot of alternatives out there. Yeah. 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 Because in the end of the day, it's, you know, if you decide to do nothing, then you will have to deal with it in your home as your children become indoctrinated with these things. And that is going to be, you have to deprogram that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, You know, and I think that parents forget so often that the fifth commandment is a command to children, uh, but it's also a command to the parents right? Children obey your parents. And that presupposes that parents are setting up boundaries, good and safe, clear distinctions and, and lines, uh, laying down that line of inheritance. Yes. And we, you know, so as parents, we have that responsibility, but children have that responsibility. So, yeah. Well, and Joshua, you know, that's great. I'd never really thought of that. And yet here's an embarrassing story about me. (laughs) Um, because it's so easy when we're on these podcasts and I've mentioned this before to sound like when, when we're giving advice and giving our thoughts about some of these things, like we have it figured out and we're doing it right. And I say it over and over and over again, I'm, we're not, we're figuring it out. We've made mistakes. We have to trust in the sovereignty of God over our children, um, choosing to give them imperfect parents like us, right? And um, 
so you're right. And so one sort of embarrassing thing, and then just one shameful thing. So the sort of embarrassing thing is that, um, my kids have a joke now, um, where like, you know, when you do like in a, in a workplace, it's like three days since a, a workplace injury. Right. So Lily, my youngest was like, mom, could we just have one night where you don't talk about transgenderism at the table? Because <laughs> it's, it's part of what I'm researching. And obviously I'm not going into like all this graphic stuff. Like you, you have to be, um, careful with your children, but I want my kids to hear about this stuff from me before they hear about it from anybody else. And so <laughs> they were like wanting to write on the whiteboard, you know, that like four days since mom brought up transgenderism at the table, I think I made it like three, uh, and I think two of them, I wasn't even home. I think I was traveling or something, but uh, they were laughing about it. But the result of that has been that when our kids have run into something at school or amongst their friends, where a friend will say, and kids will say stuff like this, I think I might be non-binary, you know, or I'm not really sure. They're sort of testing these things out rather than our kids going to social media or their other friends or to TV to find out those things. They know that we are well-informed. Well they know that we'll go find the resources to help them understand. So they come straight to us. So I would encourage parents, like the world's after your kids. You make sure that you lay down for them truth and that they know that they can come and ask you something. And if they come and say, mom, my friend Joey thinks that he's a girl now and he wants me to call him Beth, that you don't freak out and, and, and become kind of like this scary place for them to come and ask about it. Like that you will pursue thinking through lovingly how to handle and pray through your response to that individual child who you've, you've taught your kids that each of these kids are made in the image of God. And so they are worth that effort, worth those prayers and worth that concern. I'm, I'm convinced of that. So that's one kind of embarrassing thing. I probably talk about it more than most parents would. The shameful thing, and this is a, is an absolute failure on my part, is that in the midst of this, and, you know, we, we read the Bible, we listen to devotions, um, we, we go to church. Um, so we tend to think that we are educating our children, but Joshua, the most horrible thing happened um, my youngest came to me at church the other day and she was like, mom, uh, Mr. Frick wants to talk to you, but I, I, and she, she looked like she had done something wrong. And so, um, for the, for our listeners, Mr. Frick, uh, is a friend of both you and me, Joshua, and he's, um, on the pastoral staff at our church. And, um, and I, I consider him a friend. And so I said, oh, well, I'm going to go find out, you know, why you're in trouble with Mr. Frick. So. I grab her and she's like hauling on my hand and I'm pulling her through the church to the sound booth. And what I find out is, and I'm, I'm, I may cry when I tell you this, cause I'm still so horrified and ashamed about it. Brian in his very sweet way. is like, so Mary Lily came up to ask me for a piece of candy after service. And he said, and I never give away a piece of candy without asking a question. And so I said, what is the chief end of man? And I immediately responded, Brian, 
but as I'm saying it, I'm like, oh, I'm in trouble. Lily's not in trouble. I am in trouble. And I say the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And he says, she didn't know the answer. My daughter did not know that first catechism answer anymore. She used to know it, but we hadn't reviewed it recently. And I was like, silence is not good on a podcast. I had no answer, Joshua. Like there are lots of things that my Lily knows, but Mm -hmm. I had fallen down on that. I had fallen down on reviewing catechism with her. I was really, I was really, I was embarrassed and, and I'm repentant. So we've been working on that catechism question, you know, and I I'm pulling out our catechism books again so that we can talk about those things. We need to lay those structures down. So Amen. there praise I am doubting myself. Praise I, the Lord. No, no, no. Praise God for that. Um, you know, it's funny that you say that I, I was thinking about the Lily of the board and you mentioning transgenderism at the dinner table and you know and, and the importance of repetition. And yeah. every time I, I have to go to the boardroom with one of my sons for them being naughty, I always go in with my Bible and I always go to the same passages. I always go to Ephesians, 1 John 1, 9. And, and sometimes my boys go, I know what it says. And I, and I said, but you know what? Children, obey your parents. You're going to listen to this. I don't yeah. care if you're sick of it. I don't care if you can, you can repeat it backwards and forwards and you know and or pig latin you're going to hear it again because i love you and thy word have i hid my heart that i may not sin against thee yeah and um that's that's a beautiful story and praise the lord that that there's this little reformation now going to happen you know because you got in trouble with mr frick but you know praise (laughs) god the devil is not the final word on this. And so this is a wonderful moment. Praise God. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I'm embarrassed, but there it is. Well, I just, you know, and I'm embarrassed too, that I'm like, even dare to give advice, you know, like my advice is never because I've got it figured out. My it's always based on like, Oh Lord, have mercy. Like show me how to do this the right way. And, and use my failures, use my sin, use my brokenness, Lord, in spite of me, bless my children. Um, Yeah, so I got called on the carpet by Mr. Frick, and Lily's going to get that piece of candy next Sunday, so. (laughs) All right. Well, we're out of time. Thanks, Mary, for being on the program. I shouldn't be saying thanks, Mary, for being on the program. You're pretty much in a forever edition. I'm a regular again. You're a regular. So we'll be back again to review some more books and continue this topic because this topic's not going away. So stay tuned, it's folks. It's not going away. I have one other thing really fast, Joshua. Next time, I want to talk to you, parents and fellow believers, about the schools in transition and the um, oh, GLSEN. Uh, transgender equality documents that schools are using. It's the model school district policy, and it is being used to separate children's trust from their parents as Mm. they enter into these transition phases. Uh, I'd really like us to go over that because 
they are just laying out their plans. And if we don't pay attention, we're responsible for that. They're telling us what they're doing and we need to know how to respond.